welcome back to another episode here of Obedient Sheep. My name is Dan, and I want to give you a question to ponder today. Who really forgets? Now, the reason I bring this up is because I had this this uh, this prayer group that I'm in, and yesterday when we were getting together, I was kind of in that moment where I'm just kind of listening to what God wants to say. And I felt like he was saying to me, uh, you know, that, that it's really easy for us to to remind God of his promises. And we're going to take a look at that today. We're going to we're going to take a look at, you know, at, at God's promises. But the 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 thought that came to my mind or maybe the maybe the little nugget that God was wanting to share with me was it's really easy for you to remind me of the promises that I've made. But it's very discomforting for 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 me when God has to remind me of the promises I've made to him. Does that make sense? Um maybe I'm not doing a great job of explaining it. So let me say it again here. From my point of view, I can remind God all day long, God, your word says this, God, your word says this, God, your word says this, God, your word says this. And these are these are these are good things. I mean God's word does say these things. But the problem is that I make vows to God as well, and so now when God says, um, remember you said this, remember you promised this, remember you vowed this, and I and, and I am getting that uncomfortable position of, God, you're, you're, you're picking on me, God, God, what, what are you doing? Well, God is expecting from me that same obedience to his word, to him, to the promises that I'm making to him, that... I expect from God. So let's take a look at this. So I want to start, kind of remember the whole story of Abraham, right? Uh, we talked a little bit about this before, but but so Abraham, he is given this word from God, this promise from God. Hey, I want you to pick yourself up from this position, and I want you to move over to this position, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna bless your land wherever you step is gonna be blessed, and and I'm gonna bless these. The, 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 everything you have, and I'm going to make you into this great nation. God gives Abraham this promise. He even promises that your people are going to be uh, going to be servants and slaves of another place for 400 years, and then I'm going to bring you back. And so God has all these promises that He's giving to Abraham, right? And at any point, Abraham can say, "God, remember, remember this. Remember you said this. Remember you said that where I would." put my foot that's where I'm going to get the land remember that you said that you're going to bring our people back out right we see this throughout scripture you can look at the same thing when when Jeremiah is writing and he says the people are going to be in slavery they're going to be in bondage for 70 years they're going to be they're going to be captive for 70 years and then Daniel's reading this later on and says oh hey it's been that 70 years God remember what you said that at the end of 70 years you're going to bring us out right so we have these different things where God keeps his promise or we remind God about his promise but then we have these times when we make this promise and when God holds us accountable, we begin to have some problems with it. So with Abraham, look at, look with me in Psalm 105. I'm going to start in verse 8. It says, He always stands by his covenant. The commitment, it, the commitment he made to a thousand generations. 
This is the covenant he made with Abraham and the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree and to the people of Israel as a never-ending covenant. I will give you the land of Canaan as your special possession. This is the promise. And in verse 12, he said this when they were few in number, a tiny group of strangers in Canaan. They wandered from nation to nation, from one nation, from, sorry, from one kingdom to another. Yet he did not let anyone oppress them. He warned kings on their behalf, do not touch my chosen people and do not hurt my prophets. He called for a famine in the land of Canaan, cutting off his food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph. Who was, a, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of a nation opened his prison door. And it goes on and on and on. And it talks about how everything was being put in motion so that when that promise actually came to play, everything was in, in place. And we look and we see that God did in fact keep his word. And why is it that we sometimes question if God will in fact keep his word? I think the question doesn't need to necessarily be, will God keep his word? Because he does say he's faithful to complete the work he's doing in us, right? So if he gave us this word, he is faithful to complete that. And we know that God is not a liar, right? He's not a human person like us, so he cannot lie. So whenever he tells us something, he's going to keep that word. We have all these pieces that just prove that God is a man of his word, or he's a God of his word. So the question really shouldn't be, is God going to keep his word, or when will God keep his word, or anything like that? The question should really be, are we? Are we going to keep our word to him? See, we're going back to the main verse that we've been looking at, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I hear them, and they do, they, they, they follow, right? They follow my voice. This is what we've been talking about. We've been asking, are we sheep? Are we those who hear God's voice and obey? We expect God to obey his word when we should be examining ourselves to see if we are going to obey his word. Hmm. That'll make you think, huh? I'm going to show you an example. Let's look in... I'm going to go in 1 Samuel, chapter 15. Now, for those of you who know this story, you know probably where I'm going. This is the story of Saul and Saul's disobedience, more specifically. A couple interesting things that I want to point out in this. So Saul's already had a hard time. He's not really been doing all the things that God has asked him to do. And he's kind of down to his last moment, his last his last possibility of redeeming himself. All right, so come with me then to uh, sec, uh, sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 15. I'm going to look at verse 1. I'm just going to kind of read as we go here. One day Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king. 
of the people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of the heaven of the of the heavens armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nations of the of of, Amalek, of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. They're, they're, that's a pretty good list, right? We know exactly what this word is. We, God is giving Samuel this prophecy, this, this, this word, to give to Saul. And Saul's mission is, he is supposed to take out all of the Amalekites. Not just the Malachite people, but all the Amalekite stuff also. So the whole nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. That's a pretty good list. We know. It's exact. Should not really be a problem for Saul when he gets there to do this stuff. Well, let's, let's read on. So Saul mobilized his army in Tullium. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to, a town of the, went to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent his, this warning to the Kenites, Move away from where the Amalekites live or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites packed up and left. All right, so we got just the Amalekites hanging out here now. <laughs> then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from, from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. The, they captured, or he captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. Hmm, that appealed to them. Keep that in mind. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. So, now, what was the directive? What was the mission that was given by Samuel, by, by God, to Samuel to give to Saul? To wipe it all out. And then we read here that the things that were appealing, Saul kept. In fact, he only got rid of the worthless stuff, right? Now, he kept the king. He's got some really good sheep, some really good cows, maybe some good other animals, right? We got, we got a little bit of a problem. Because the, the message that he gave was to take it all out. Get rid of all of it. And then we find that there's some remnants being left behind. Let me, let me just start by asking, as we really consider, are we obeying God's word to us? Maybe there are things that God is saying, I want it all out. Get rid of all of it. I don't care. That sin, that thing, that, that relationship, whatever it might be, get it out. But then we get there. We begin to do the task. Oh, I gotta, I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to get rid of this. I'm gonna get rid of, oh, I don't know if I can get rid of that. Think, think I might keep this, but I'm gonna get rid of this and this and this and this and mm, I don't know about that one either. That that one is kind of appealing. I'm, I'm gonna hold on to that, and we're doing the exact same thing that Saul is doing. 
when we're told to get rid of everything completely, when we're told to obey God's word in giving everything out completely, we decide to hold back on the things that we think are appealing. Let's read on, though, and find out what happens to Saul. <clears throat> then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me. He's not obeyed. He has refused to obey my command. Saul was so deeply moved, or sorry, Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Samuel, or sorry, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a, mo a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. Hmm. All right, verse 13. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Really? Let's read on. Verse 14. Then what is the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle that I hear? Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted, but they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you? Saul asked. And Samuel told him, Although you may think yourself although you may think little of yourself, you are not the leader of the tribes of Israel. The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, Go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Samuel insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everything else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel replies again. I want to stop really quick before we get to the rest of Samuel's um, message here. So notice how, now that Saul is, is caught in his messed up stuff here right now he's beginning to do what we do so well rationalize oh but i did this and i did this and i did this but you didn't do this oh but um but it, it was i did this but you didn't do this but i did this and this and this and it's not going to be enough because the command <clears throat> was complete destruction of not only the amalekite people but everything that the amalekites had it was a simple task to get rid of all of it. But you notice also how Saul does a little bit of blame shifting there. Right? Oh, well, it was the guys. The guys wanted to have this, uh, this sacrifice later on, so they kind of kept some of that good stuff that we could use to sacrifice. Saul, you are the leader. You are the one who is supposed to come uh, and have power over them and say, no, we are not going to keep all these things. We are going to get rid of them because that was the, that was the command that I'm supposed to obey, to get rid of all of it. We don't need to keep anything. We shouldn't keep anything. The command was for all. But Saul, I guess he doesn't see it that way. Which makes me wonder, because, you know, 
just think it's interesting to see my life in comparison to Saul's life here. Do I do the same thing? When God asked me to get rid of something, when God asked me to, to push something out, to get rid of it, to whatever it is, destroy it, do I take some of those good things that are appealing and use them to ration with as well? Well, God, I know you told me to do this, but I tell you, uh, so-and-so said that this was okay. So-and-so said that this was okay. I think we do this more than we think. We kind of rationalize, as far as us as Christians, we kind of rationalize sometimes based on what we see other, other people in the church doing, right? Well, maybe, maybe you know, Johnny, Johnny still dabbles a little bit with this. You know, Johnny does this, or Johnny does this, and, and it's okay, and he's, you know, he's still blessed, and he's still living an okay life and all, but, but the, the problem with that is that, that God isn't comparing us to Johnny. God's not asking us to keep his word to Johnny or Johnny's word. God is asking us to keep his word, God's word. So when we stand before God, as we're going to see here, Saul standing before in a minute, as we stand before him, we, we, we can't compare ourselves to Johnny. We have to compare ourselves and measure ourselves according to God's word. What did God tell us? God is going to be holding us accountable to what he told us. Did we obey God? Not that Johnny obey God, and we, we were just kind of doing the same thing as Johnny. Mm -hmm. Did we obey God? That is the true question. In Saul's case, he did not. That's great. You know what? The men took some stuff. You know what, Saul? Be a man. Finish the task. Kill all those things that your man that your men took then you would have obeyed god but you left them you're rationed oh yeah yeah that's a good idea guys let's have a, let's have this sacrifice later on yeah that's not what god said god didn't say oh take out most of it and then use some for sacrifice no he said get rid of all of it hmm Let's move on. Let's let's go on here. We're in 1 Samuel 16. We're going to jump over now um, in verse 22. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Wow. So this little thing that, that, that Saul thought was going to be okay, Samuel now is coming in and saying, look, you have messed up. You have messed up big. You think you can get by with these sacrifices and all, but that's not even, God's not even really as interested in that as he is about your obedience. And you were not obedient to what God was saying. It says that the disobedience is, the, is as if rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. What is God asking us to do? If we are not doing it, do you realize what this verse has just said? Our disobedience 
our rebellion to what God has told us to do, those little parts where we rationalize, those little pieces there where we think it's going to be okay, you know, I don't have to really do this. You know, maybe maybe God didn't really mean 100%. Maybe 99% was okay. No, 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 no. Rebellion, going against what God is telling us, is, is the same as witchcraft. There's no levels of sin, right? There's no white lies and, and the dark lies. There's none of that. There's not, you know, oh, I did, I did my job 99% and, oh, I did my job 1%. No. There's no difference there. If it's not 100%, it's wrong. If it's not 100%, it's disobedience. Any lack of obedience is disobedience. I used to tell this to my kids all the time. If you disobey the word that was given to you in any form, it's disobedience. So where are we? Where are we in all this? Are we actually listening to what God is telling us? Because if so, then we are doing a good job. We're obedient. If we are not doing 100% of what God is telling us to do, then we're walking in disobedience. Let's read on. We're now in verse 24 of 1 Samuel 15. Then Samuel admitted, or sorry, then Saul admitted to Samuel, Yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions in the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. But now please forgive my sin and come back with me so that we may worship the Lord. But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you. Since you have rejected the Lord's command, he has rejected you as king of Israel. And Samuel turned to go. Saul tried to hold him back and tore the hem of his robe. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else, one who is better than you. And he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind, for he is not human that he should change his mind. Talking about God. Then Saul pleaded again, I know I have sinned, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel finally agreed and went back with him, and Saul worshipped the Lord. And Samuel said, Bring King Agag to me. Agag arrived full of hope and thought. For he thought, surely the worst is over, and I have been spared. So Agag, you know, he thinks he's going to make it here. <laughs> but Samuel said, As your sword has killed the sons of many mothers, now your mother will be childless. And Samuel cut Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. And Samuel went home to Ramah. And Saul returned to his house in, in Gibeah. Gibeah, sorry. Samuel never went to meet with Saul again. But he mourned consistently for him, and the Lord was sorry that he had ever made Saul king of Israel. So here's what's interesting. Saul takes responsibility, but it's late. It's late. God's already made his decision. 
I'm sorry that I ever made him king. We find as we go into chapter 16, we find that Samuel now is being told by God to go and find that new king, to go anoint that new king. And if you know the next one in line there in the United Kingdom, uh, the United Kingdom of the Bible here, you know that that's going to be King David. Now Saul, he'll continue to be king, but he's got a lot of treacherous years ahead of him. Uh, he's going to have some problems. Um, God doesn't wipe him out per se the next day. He rejects him as king, but, uh, but it's not until a little bit later on that David is, is raised up and becomes king and takes his place when Saul passes away. The point I want to make today, I guess, is this. Again, we are so good at telling God, remember your word, God, remember. You know, you said you'd bless me, so bless me. You said that you'd give me this, so give me this. And you said that I was called to do this, so, uh, you know, give me that calling. And I'm not sure that there's anything wrong with us reminding God of what his word says. I think it's, it's good for us. It's good for us to, to remember what God has told us. But I think that if we are going to remind God what he has told us, then we might want to be careful to also do what he has told us. If God has told us to do something, like, like he did Saul here, if God has told us to wipe this out of our lives and, and to get rid of this, then guess what? It would probably be to our benefit to actually do what God is asking us to do. If we are going to be those obedient sheep that we talk about, that we read about in John 10, then we have to not only hear his voice, but we have to obey what God is telling us to do. We can't sit there and rationalize the 95% the of it, right? We, we can't sit there and have the, the sin still prevalent in some areas, holding on to those parts that are appealing. We can't do that and expect to have the fullness of God's blessing on us. I don't want to see you or me end up like Saul where we find out that, that, that our position, our, this blessing that God has for us is now being hindered or even rejected because of something that we are not obeying. So what is God speaking to you? What has he told you? What has he promised you? But hold on to that. But with that, what has he told you to do in, in, in a way of preparation for it, in a, in a way of moving to that next step? Are you obeying what God has told you to do? And this goes far beyond just, well, I read my Bible every day, and I, and I pray every day, and I give money to the poor people in church. and all. It, it's not about that. Those are all those little sacrifices that God is saying, yeah, hey, that's great. But what I'm looking for is obedience. Are you doing what God is asking you to do? Are you obeying what God is asking of you? I hope so. But I got to be honest, I can't give you this message without looking at myself and saying, um, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe this is why God even kind of brought it up yesterday when I was in my quiet time. When I was in the, the, this prayer meeting with these guys, maybe maybe this is why. Maybe God is telling me, hey, Dan, you're doing a lot of good things, but you're not walking in full obedience in this area. 
You want me to keep my word, and I will, but, but I want you to do what I'm telling you also. And so this whole message, as I was preparing it, I'm going to be honest with you, this was an introspection of my own life. I was looking at myself, knowing that if I get up here and talk to you, I don't want to be a hypocrite. So I gotta, I gotta check myself too. Are there areas where God has asked me to obey that I can honestly say, haven't really done the full job doing? Am I lacking in some areas of obedience? I can see some. Honestly, I can see some. And so I have to do the exact same thing that I'm asking you to do. I have to say, God, I see where I'm not obeying you. And I have to repent. We talked about this a couple days ago. The repenting, the turning around. The teshuva. The root word shuv. I have to turn around. I've been going in this direction thinking that it's good enough. And God is saying, "Mm, but you're not fully obeying. So turn around, repent, and come back and have that relationship with me again. And walk with me in the right ways here and do what I'm asking you to do. And so I'm going to encourage you the same thing that I had to do. Pray. Ask God for forgiveness. God, please forgive me. Please forgive me for not obeying you. For not doing the the 100% that you are calling me to do. I know that he will forgive you. He is faithful to his word. We know this for a fact. And he gives us those chances because he wants us to be in right relationship with him. So take advantage of the fact that he is right now accepting us back after after us not fully obeying. He hasn't closed the door on us yet. He hasn't said, that's it, you're done, like he did with Saul. And we saw, this is just one piece. But if we look at the life of Saul, there's a lot of other things that, that God asked Saul to do and Saul didn't do it. And God was being patient and giving him some chances there and this was the final straw don't let your disobedience right now be the final straw come back to God come back to him repent and get back on that path of full obedience that's my challenge to you tonight today or whatever time it is where you are that's my challenge And I hope that you will take full advantage of that. I hope that you will work to get back on complete 100% track with what God is asking you. He's got a world full of blessings to give you. Let's be obedient. Let's be obedient, sheep. Let's listen to his voice and obey. Hey, this is Pastor Daniel. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Obedient Sheep podcast. If you'd like to get more information on this ministry or even get in contact with me, please go to ObedientSheep.net. There you'll be able to leave your information, drop a line, send a prayer request, or even check out the other resources that are available. Thank you again for checking out this ministry, and we hope you have a blessed day.